Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 468. Sarah Miller, the disc golf guy, alongside... Zero-time world champion, zero-time major winner. I cashed at a major. I cashed you at the did. Japan Open. Japan Open, 2010. I did. Took home 10,000 yen. In 2010, yes. Yeah, 10,000 yen. I'm a major. Yeah, you did. In a MPO major, I have cashed, which to me, good enough. Yeah. Uh, hence, <laughs> the applicable Brixton card. Yeah, I mean that's why basically they gave it to me it was my. <laughs> was like, my let's cash. look at this guy's stats. <laughs> one fifty class, um, slightly modified that year, but slightly modified one fifty nine. Yep, one fifty class, Japan. Let's let's check the yen. Yep, yeah. check. I had to hit. It was actually ten thousand yen and above the people that made cards for. So I just squeaked in. Yes. Yeah, so well, there you go. Well, that's why he's here, everyone. Johnny, he's back this week. And I was just explaining oh. to him the mm. mild debacle, but yet a salvageable week last week. So thank you to everyone that uh, uh, deplored a little patience and uh, accepting nature of the madness that was last week. So some people wrote me and said, we could understand and see how frustrated you were. I didn't, I didn't get too rowdy or out of line, but it was very frustrating, the that, fact that everything seemingly was up and running. Gannon was ready to go. Everything was ready to go with all the fancy stuff. And I ended up ultimately saying F it. And I literally put my phone up in front of me and uh, just. I'll have to ha- take a ha- look. Had a good review from there. It was it was good enough. We had a, an, uh, a, a regular size turnout, so to speak. I don't want to call it average. Even though I guess that'd be appropriate word. We had an average turnout, and uh, thank you guys so much. So. Yeah, Glenn Reiser is asking, when is that episode going to be available? See, they're, they're calling they're for it. They're begging for it. I'll take a look and see if I can and pull <laughs> that pull down from down YouTube and, yeah. and make it happen. Um, last So last Monday, I bought tickets to go see one of my favorite bands, and I think I'll honestly say one of the bands that has like just 
the most solid lineup of albums, which is Jimmy Eat World. One of my just hands down, like their first, I think they have 10 or 11 albums now, but for my take, like the first five or six are gold from start to finish. And let, let me, let me quickly inter- interrupt and yeah. say, Johnny was on the Jimmy Eat World train <laughs> well before they hit like their the middle. The, yeah, before their popularity and and uh, you know popular stardom and, and oh yeah uh, household namedness. I saw for the them brief time they had it. Johnny was on that open up way before for a that. band called the Promise Ring and Sensefield here at the basement of the Rave. Um, and a good friend of ours, Ryan Hornicle, was also on the on board with them a long time ago. So, so last Monday, I'm like, all right, I'm going to buy tickets. Tuesday, I'm going to skip the podcast. Tuesday morning, I wake up and about 7.15, I get a text message from work saying we have an issue and there's some sort of security issue I need to look into. And the next thing I know, it is 3 a.m. on (laughs) Wednesday morning. I did not leave this basement in front of these monitors. I was working on some security stuff that has just become a minor nightmare for me over the last week. So I didn't even get a chance to see my concert, which was very disappointing. You should just give me the tickets. You could have dealt with I the had problem. One, one ticket could've I could have. Yeah, we could have both skipped the, the uh, yeah. So I, so I didn't even get a chance to see the concert I really wanted to see. Jeez, and, what a waste. Yeah, so anyway, bummer for me. But uh, yeah, a lot of work. So I missed the show. I missed the this show. And I'm, I missed my family for like a yeah. week. But you know what? That happens. I'm here this week because... This is what matters. This is like the only fun thing I've done <laughs> in a week. Well, speaking of fun, a little too much fun for all of our players uh, or too much work for them to do. Uh, in full disclosure, I had reached out to our two champions from the D-Glow perspective uh, this weekend. Uh, regular uh, regular protocol would indicate we often have champions of the previous weekend. And uh, Simon had gotten back to me and said that he's committed to the upshot this week and he'll get us on the next one, which, you know, would sometimes feel kind of like a brush off or an empty promise, but not with the way Simon Lazat's playing these days. The next one could be as early as next week or the week after, after a world's could be any time. So, uh, look, we, we will, we like the guys we don't love. We like, yeah, we like the guys over at the upshot. So whenever they have Simon, uh, certainly go out and uh, take a listen and understandably Simon who's in the, spotlight often uh, I think sometimes struggles with having to answer similar questions and or retell things a million times because we've, we do have more media obligations than ever before these days. And I'll say this to any pro that, that feels that way, including Simon one, I'm slightly offended Mm. that he thinks that our stupid questions are (laughs) anything like the questions on other podcasts. That's true. We are different in a lot of ways. I think last time we had a whole derailment of uh, of darts yeah. for like 30 minutes. Yeah, we talked about his his Instagram dart following <laughs> and how he knows like the, the world champion dart player who's a fan of his. And yeah. We're not, I mean, yeah, we're going to ask, we would have asked him about hole 15 or 16 or whatever it was where he threw it over the top. And sure. And of course, you have to have the stock issue, but that's like two questions. And like, congratulations, Simon, you won. Tell us about this shot. And let's, and then let's talk get about, off the rails. Let's, let's talk about something that doesn't matter. Uh, but but so anyway, any pro, if you're thinking, if you're worried about repeating yourself, <laughs> never worry about that with us. Yeah. <laughs> We've had Madison Walker doing owl calls here. I don't think we're like a lot of the other operations, but whenever he is on that other, one of the other podcasts, no, make sure you enjoy that. Uh, Owen Scoggins had a very busy day. She actually just got back to me recently. I wrote her quite a while ago 
and just got back, just saw the message, and she's eating and calling in a night. So, Own, we miss you. Uh, congratulations to Own as well. Uh, it, it it does not help our case, not only that we're live, but that we're live so late, and now the entire tour has moved on to the East Coast or into the Eastern time zone. i got to keep saying that. Into the Eastern time zone, which makes it even later for them. So uh, you, you may be stuck with us. We may have another special guest uh, possibly be able to jump in with us, but might be just us breaking things down tonight. So it might thank be. you for joining. And again, thank you for uh, the patience from last week's challenges. So with that, Johnny, let's let's quickly recap some of that boring golf that we, we saw or uh, that transpired this weekend. Sure. Let me pull up the Discraft Great Lakes Open presented by Grip6. That's out in the toboggan course. Uh, I heard some of the other podcasts asking like, man, has Worlds ever been at the toboggan? And I kind of had to chuckle to myself, and I was like, I was there. Oh, I was there, podcasts. my friends, the first year, 2004. 2000. Or 2000, you're right. I'm sorry, 2000. Even before that. Ugh, wow. Uh, yeah. The toboggan. Over on the FBO side, we called it a few weeks ago, own winning an Elite Series event. We said if, not I guess if she was going to win one, but these were her best chances. With Tatar out of the country, she didn't have to go up against her. So she got to compete against the rest of the best. And she finally pulled one out. She wins her very first elite series event and no one better than own to win. And I'm, I'm happy that the trophy was some sort of cup because she definitely <laughs> used it multiple times. I was excited to see that, but own Scoggins shoots 25 under. She starts the, event with three straight seven under pars and then finishes it up with a four under par. Uh, Ella Hansen kind of made it a little bit interesting. She got down to the end and uh, only own only one by two strokes. Of course she had, I believe a four stroke lead going into the final hole, but own went out of bounds and then was able to lay up and whatnot. So shooting a 23 was Ella Hansen five strokes below her cat merch three strokes below cat was Missy Gannon and Holland Hanley. Tied for, or I'm sorry, in sixth place was Jen Allen. Seventh place, Maria Oliva. Eighth place, Sarah Hokum. Ninth place, Haley King. And a tie for 10th between Jessica Weiss and Alexis Mondujano. That is your top 10 in the FPO. Ultimately, own, I mean, you want to use the puns. She owned it. She, you know, she, she dominated. Stone it. cold. She was, yes, stone cold. Uh, just got it done, ultimately, on a, it's funny because a lot of people call this a bomber course, a big course. I don't feel like this course particularly lends itself to the women bombers because of the par fours. They're far enough where the women aren't getting up there for birdie or eagle and everybody's getting up there for birdie. Yeah. So they may have a 50 foot shorter approach shot than own or 25 feet, depending on you know the layout. But we know with own skill, She's getting it almost, if not just as close as them. And if she doesn't, she's going to drop in the circle one putts from somewhere. This course just was set up for own. Yeah, it's um, set up is, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying that, but it it was, she could easily recover from anywhere where her distance didn't get her, give her an advantage. And easy to make up the deficits. Well, yeah, I don't think exactly. this is set up for a, a, a long thrower FPO Correct. at all, yeah, which that, is, which to me takes away all their advantage. Yeah. And it was, 
here's a stat that I saw just this afternoon. I actually wanted to save it because I thought it was so incredible if I can find it. And it was brought to us by our friends at Statmando. So here it is. Owen Scoggins won Deeglow without a single birdie on a par three, becoming the first major, elite, or silver winner to go the event without one in the last three seasons. Scoggins was 30 under, or negative 30, on par fours and fives, with only a single bogey the last hole of the tournament. Well, real quick, let's look at the par threes. Hole one, 516 feet. No FPO players getting there. Hole five, 480 feet. It's gettable. Ella Hansen, yeah, Jen Allen, Haley King. There's a, there's there were quite a few that got that, yeah. but she didn't. It's it's a far, it's 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 a pretty big pull. Yeah. Then you move up to hole nine, which is four seventy two. There's a few people that get that one, maybe people. four or five people in the in the field that got that. Hole eleven, which is four forty two. A, a handful get got that one, but not many. Hole 12 is the is her main opportunity, 267 feet. And even that, it's that not plays a, 3, yeah. 325, 330, which you she have ha- to hit it which, hard. Exactly, which she has, and she could get it, but it's not a gimme 267, like on flat ground, and she didn't get that any round. And then right. you go to hole 16, which is 396, the island hole, the island hole where uh, you know it could be a two or a four. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are a few handful of threes in there, but a lot of twos and fours. So, so I understand that. So there's the, like three, this, there's like two or three opportunities truly for her to get a birdie on a par three on this type of course. And she didn't, she didn't get them. We know she can. She just didn't. It's crazy to think though, to not birdie in four rounds of play to not birdie a single par three. And that all lends to exactly what you were just saying mm-hmm. in terms of the par fours and the par fives, that those were gettable and attackable, that her distance didn't hinder her. Now, Ona is never getting a three on hole number three. It's not going to happen. She's uh, That's where a few of the women, Ella, Holland, Haley King, Jennifer Allen, that's where they have an advantage to potentially pick up an eagle. Someplace like hole number three is a great example of that for the eagle. Uh, similarly, hole number uh, 17. I mean, Jennifer Allen birdied it with going out of bounds. So she clearly could potentially get the eagle three on that. I get that. Uh, it, it's just wild that Owen went through the entire event without getting... and. For every reason you just said, some of those are bonus birdies. And in fact, during the broadcast, I said the best opportunity, the best opportunity for our competitors to possibly gain an advantage come on the likes of holes 11 and 12. And Own put a couple there to have a look, a long look for birdie. But you have to birdie 11 and you have to get hole 12. Those are just two spots where you have a, a good chance to get one on Own. And Ella Hansen put herself very close to the pin on 11 during, I think, round three. Didn't birdie yet. That was a huge missed opportunity. Hole 12, I, I don't think she got during round three. Again, you have to get those because Owen's getting every par four and five. Mm-hmm. So that that was kind of the story. And I just, I didn't think about it in terms of her, you know, what she did throughout the totality of the weekend. But then Stat Mando putting that out today. Thank <laughs> you so much. Uh, it just, it's it's shocking. She won a four-round event and didn't birdie a single par three hole. I don't know. Obviously, it hasn't been done before, so it's relatively amazing. Yeah, and so I thought that was really cool. Thank you, Statman. Some of her other stats, 
she was what well, it looked like she was uh about like what six then, then fairway hits which not too bad she didn't get herself in much trouble c1 act or circle one in regulation she was sixth in there it looks like i mean the she made up a ton a ton on the putting green no surprise zero surprise at all Wait, she, i'm shocked no I'm yeah shocked. you're not shocked she was number one in c1x yeah she and, and that she was gained, with a less than great final day yes that was with a less than great she was 97 percent coming into mm-hmm. the final round she was a i think she went 92 percent 100 percent 100 percent all going into the final round which had her at 97 percent mm-hmm. and then i think she struggled she you know her stats were a little yeah. uh different come she gained final four day. strokes on c1x over ella hansen she was so. at she was at 9.25 ella hansen was at uh 5.8 there's there's your win right there yeah I mean, that 9.25 is versus the field. So I kind of want to look at who she looked at versus her competition, so to speak, because it's really tough to compare that to someone who, you know, is, you know, negative five way down at the bottom. Sure. Compared to the rest of the field. So I like to look at how it works versus the rest of the field. And ultimately, that's where she got Ella was on the putting green. Wow. And here is an update as unbelievable. Shocking updates. There is. This is a shocking update. Uh, at one point during the round, I in the middle of the round, I was sent the payouts because I was just genuinely curious what they would look like. And I could have swore I was sent a note that said $8,500. And as I'm going over to the PDGA page, and I, I could be it's wrong. It's $85,000? No, it's ten. It's 10000 even. That's a really good payout. <laughs> Damn right it is. Is that her best payout ever? It ties her technically. With the match play? With the match play event. And you know who took second at the match play event? That was... Wasn't Ella, was it? I'll give you a hint. She took second here. Oh. Ella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm, now I'm she thinking back. I remember, yes. I remember the hug. I remember the big hug yeah. at the end. So... So, so I don't know if this is a good or bad omen. Onen, Onen, that uh, that when Own wins her biggest paycheck right there, collecting uh, second place is Ella. Hansen. She, she's keeping Ella at arm's distance, kind of holding her <laughs> or holding her forehead from the big. Like, hey, I got this one. I got the big check. Don't, I got this one. Don't you worry. So Own would then tie for her largest paycheck uh, ever at ten thousand dollars. Which, just to put that in a little bit of perspective. Clearly, it is a looking through a different glass. But when you at, look at that, own wins ten grand for uh, first place this weekend. Her two previous majors this year added up to forty three hundred. Much smaller fields, much yeah. smaller payouts. Of course, it's not meant to be a true comparison, but it still is interesting to be like owns won two majors in FP forty for forty three hundred. She wins ten grand this weekend, and mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine that the end of a bonus looks too bad either. More than likely not. So that's got to be fifty grand, mm-hmm. right? That's what the end of a bonuses are. No, why not? <laughs> Come on, Innova, step up your game. I got the end of a shirt on today. Uh, wow. I, I, yeah. So <laughs> that's why I was gonna say it might be older than own, but that one's not. That's older than most of our viewers, though. Hannah Macbeth <laughs> says she could buy one Taylor Swift ticket with that winning, <laughs> as long as you take one of my. Daughters, I don't care. I was gonna say one of my favorite daughters. Take one of my daughters with that. That that sounds uh, reasonable. Uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, wild. Um, congratulations. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of the course changes. We can dig a little more into those, but we saw the course changes. 
Uh, we saw the flow of play that was relatively well. The, the yeah, women, it didn't seem like there was really a lot of big backups. No, and the women uh, escaped any kind of rain delay or Weather. backup. We experienced that during the first round on the MPO side. The women essentially went straight through. So that, you know, uh, silver lining, so to speak, on that perspective as well. There was no backups uh, during day one of the FPO competition. I don't know if there's a lot more to say on on those overall stats or standings. I want to take a quick. It's. I mean, ultimately, you know, we have been on the own bandwagon for a long time. I mean, we knew her back when in her legacy days when she was a, a legacy player when she was taking people for putting at the local <laughs> when, yep. she, when she was taking some fools for some putting money back in the day and you know it, it's just really nice and it's really happy to see own finally get her elite series win after taking second five times last year yeah to get that to get over the hump and i know some people are gonna as you always say you can only you can only beat the people who show up it would have been i think maybe a little bit nicer story if she would have beat Kristen Tatar, the number one player in the world, but Kristen Tatar was busy beating other people this weekend. Yeah. Um, and, but ultimately it's just a really good feel, uh, feeling story for own that after so many years at her age, you know, 42 or 43, she's only been in the masters a few years. So I think maybe it's 43, um, that she can still compete with every one of those women out there. And, that she is always one of the first people to congratulate the winner. Yeah. With, with a, she bounces to the winner with a hug. Mm -hmm. She's one of the people that is always congratulating great shots. She mentioned it on the, uh, on one of the interviews that she did. Maybe it was with tournament central that it would just feel bad. She knows all the hours that all these women put in and that to not celebrate one of their great shots would feel disrespectful. And so I don't believe there was probably any woman, even Ella Hansen, who took second to her again, who was sad to see own Scoggins with this victory. Like she has put in the time. She has put in the effort. She is the best putter in the division. Hands down to see her finally get one to uh, finally get a win. Yeah. It, um, everything that's so exciting and fun and bubbly and energetic and genuine and authentic. Like she, she is mm -hmm. all of those things, but yet she's fierce and competitive and yet still can have a good time. And then, as you just said, celebrates everyone else's shot. She's a cheerleader for everyone else. Uh, and, and she will celebrate as hard as anyone else out oh. there as well. All of there, that, <laughs> like she is all of that. And then some, there was a post, after she had been seeing, being seen celebrating out of her trophy with mm -hmm. a beer, someone's like, uh, I bet Owen could hold her own. And I made it, and I, I, I had to hold back saying, not only would Owen hold her own, she would be the last one standing. Yeah. Like that's just Owen. So, uh, yes, that is. I'm not going head to head with her anytime soon. No, sure. no, I don't think anyone. She's number one in putting, and I bet she could be number one in that field as well. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Owen Owen used to be a party animal, and she still, I think, enjoys herself uh, a, a good drink with three hundred putts. You yeah. know, give her give her give her a cold drink and a stack of putters, and I don't know if Owen could be any happier. Yeah. So congratulations to Owen Scoggins. Uh, I, I'm just seeing here for the first time. 
Glenn saying that she joked about being glad Tatar was in Europe this week on the Nick and Matt podcast. Uh, and she loves Tatar, though. Of course she does. So uh, congrats. And uh, like we just said, yeah, you can only beat the women who show up. It does give the rest of the field a slightly easier pathway to a potential elite or elite plus mm-hmm. or playoff victory when you have the likes of of Kristen Tatara, obviously not in attendance because she's playing in the European Disc Golf Championships. And then you have uh, an injured Paige Pierce who hasn't been as dominant this year, but she is injured. And then you have a, a, another one of your you know main competitors in Katrina Allen struggling currently that's, with her form and everything else. And she hasn't that's been a factor really as of late either. amazing seeing someone had said that like Katrina was in last place at one point. She and was. I didn't believe them. I thought, oh, you know, she's down on the thing. I no, looked and no. like, Wow, like literally last place. That is a place that Katrina Allen clearly not familiar with. No, there has to. I was thinking, well, maybe she's injured or maybe maybe she's just working through something with a form. She seems like that type that would really want to, regardless of what's going on, really want to nail down any issues she has before the world championships, regardless of it, what it costs her on the course. So I hope that everything's okay with Kat. I hope that she can come out because she has played well at Smuggler's Notch in the past. Mm-hmm. So to see her out there, I really hope that she's yep. got her game on. Uh, and, and quite honestly, one thing I didn't uh, was somewhere rambling around in my head when we were closing up both FPO and MPO shows this weekend. For what it's worth, for a little while, Katrina was unbeatable at Smuggler's Notch. Yeah. I think she, she was like Ricky like four times in a row. It was like her uh, and Ricky. And now the fields always had varied and da da da. But when she went there. She was unbeatable. That was for the first few years, and as the, and then the event continued to grow, and she show, so she's known the property and she's seen success there. Exact same thing as of Ricky Wysocki. I think he was also like a four time champion coming into Smuggler's Notch, and as that event continued to grow, obviously we saw the the competition get stiffer, and then Ricky didn't dominate the property like he did at one point. But both Katrina and Ricky, in their own regard. As that event was growing and maturing and becoming a stop on the pro tour and then getting larger and, and and caught up, so to speak, to scale, those were two players who were there early and had adopted the place, you know, the experience and knew how to win at those. So just put that in the back of your, you know, in your mind, you know, whenever you're doing your picks. Ricky right now seems to be on a pretty good path as he's sitting anywhere in that like third to tenth place spot often uh as he's come back and of course he's performed very well at some of the events well all of them honestly um cat may have a bigger battle right now and just to kind of finish that thought you know it was preserve i believe uh she didn't i I don't think she played well there but it was at um idlewild and ledgestone specifically ledgestone where i think she had said essentially like yeah i don't I, I would, if I could, I'd get in my car and just go, or I'd get on a plane and go home right now. Like, I don't want to be here. Everything feels off, and I really don't want to be going through this. So we've seen her struggle. It has been more so what you're saying along the lines of a of a swing issue, and her timing is just off. And when she got to Idlewild, she said, I'm throwing 14, stand, or 14 forehands off the tee out of 18 holes here because that's where she felt most comfortable because her backhand swing. Now, thankfully for her and for other forehanders, like Idlewild does set up for that, but she was really leaning into it because she feels like her backhand form is just not where she wants it to be. So 
Um, Got to work through it. And that's exactly what she's saying. Is she she wants to grind it out? She said, she, she if she could, she there was she was just a, a a hair away from essentially getting on a plane and going home mm-hmm. and packing it up and calling it until she gets it figured out. But she wanted to stick out the events because she thought that'd be better overall for her. So that's where she's at. So you're seeing a one of our greatest FPO players work through something right now. I mean, you're seeing it with your own you know mm-hmm. your own two eyes, so to speak, week in and week out, and and that meant a, a rough finish. In a place that she loves, she's really good friends with a lot of the representatives and and uh, higher ups at Discraft. She remains friends with them because she was sponsored by Discraft many many moons ago. For those that don't know, um, and you know, immediately she was out on a lake. I think even Sunday afternoon or Monday, enjoying herself and and trying to take in the rest of that experience because she does love being there and she loves those people. Just uh, a, a rough weekend on the course for her. So we'll see. We'll see if what she does to get dialed in, she is, we'll talk about it in a moment, but she is scheduled to compete right now in the pro world's mixed doubles, uh, is where she is. Her and Chris scheduled. Dickerson, I believe, her right? And Chris yeah. Dickerson. That's happening next. That's happening Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. This, As in like four days. Yeah. This, days. Saturday, this upcoming Saturday. So yeah, we'll talk more about worlds. Exactly. Probably either there. later today or later tonight or for sure next week. Um, because Worlds this year is a Wednesday through Sunday and not a Tuesday through Saturday. So yes. All right, let's that. move on oh. to MPO. Oh, the other again to own Scoggins. Yeah, the other people's champ here, Simon Lazat. Had he's had more success than Owen Scoggins on the Elite Series Tour, but just as beloved. Simon beats out Eagle. They were tied going into the final round. Simon shoots a 10 under par with no bogeys. Eagle McMahon shoots a seven under par with two bogeys. Chris Dickerson in third place at 25 under par tied with Cole Radalin. So Cole, I had said a few weeks ago, you, after his win, you have to think about him as a competitor at worlds with the variety of courses. He is showing that he is a woods and an open player type of golfer because of his distance and the accuracy doesn't seem to be hurt. So Cole really getting heated up at the right time. Fifth place, disappointing for Kelvin Heimberg. That is lower than his average finish, where he's, I think, averaging like third, three point, three point something, 3.91. Yeah, so a disappointing finish fifth, <laughs> fifth place. That's going to uh, kill his stats. Oh, my gosh. How sad is that? And but the, he did make it on SportsCenter. Yes, with you know, the double eagle, crying yes. out loud. Amazing. Bookended eagles. Uh, Kevin Jones, again, heating up at the right time. Kevin Jones, known to play pretty decent out at uh, at Smugs, and he DJs usually at night. So, you know, we can't go wrong with that. Isaac Robinson in seventh, Ricky Wysocki in eighth, ninth place, Anthony Barella, and a tie for tenth between Jake Hebenheimer and Gannon Burr. So congratulations, Simon. What What a, just a solid round, that final round to be able to more or less walk in the last few holes. You know, he was able to go par, par, par and not really have to worry about it. I mean, those are birdieable holes for most of the field. 18 is a little tough, but there are a few out there. If anyone can do it, it could be Eagle or Simon. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, Simon got up to, what was it, hole 16 Mm -hmm. and kind of, as everyone was saying, broke the hole by Going up and over. And if my best Nate Doss impression, what? <laughs> what? 
what? <laughs> you just yes. kept repeating what uh, over and over. It, it was certainly baffling for a it, moment. It made complete sense after you thought about it. I just don't think anybody was thinking about it up until he got on the tee and kind of look. I saw him look up mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like, and I didn't know the hole that well because I hadn't watched the previous few rounds. So I knew this was a, a different hole than we had been than we had seen in the past. But then to see him do that, I was like, oh, that's there is no reason not to do that for him. For him. For him. Because he can reach it and get over it. Because even if you miss the island green, if you if you flip it over and go right and never cross, you're still playing from what, the drop zone? Yeah, which the is same about place 60 feet. The same place Eagle was playing from. Correct. So there was no chance of really losing a stroke there to Eagle more than likely i mean uh, the drop zone is the drop zone it's it's not the you know it's not tough you it puts you outside circle one most everybody is probably just gonna take a three or a, a stroke there you're yeah not, you're mean, not putting in from the drop zone. simon probably. had gone for it during round one he went ob went to the drop zone went for the drop zone putt, and then missed the drop zone putt. so he took a double yeah. bogey uh which is very easy to do there mm-hmm. and then there was obviously a number of people that went to the drop zone and converted from the drop zone so a, yes. a, a you know, penalty three is not insane or crazy by any means. It just, it, it was a matter of your knees are knocking when you get there because you know, the OB is so close to what we see uh, directly behind the basket. So it's, it's easy to turn that into a double bogey very, very quickly. Do you think we're going to see a change on that hole next year? You know, that's what a lot of people are, are saying. And how many people do you think can make that shot? I mean, a lot of our field can. Yeah, I mean, with the with the way the distance you, you is know, in the MPO field these days. Part of the the big challenge, clearly, that comes into it is making sure that if you do go out, which he's kind of playing for, that you go out over the basket or near it. Yes, because you go out in a lot, like you said, in a lot of other places, or you don't cross at all in the right place. You still might have your fifty or sixty footer, and then that doesn't feel nearly as brilliant. Mm-hmm will there be a change yeah probably amando um, or possibly but you know i think what confused nate and nate and myself as we were watching is thinking why are you trying to stick the island that way like that's a crazy way to stick the island and then not necessarily realizing oh wait you're you're totally fine with going beyond mm-hmm. the back of the island and so understandably, again, no one else, you know, I, I think most people would be BSing if they're like, man, I don't know why you wouldn't just stand on that hole, throw right over top of the whole island and go right over at the back and take a circle three. No one else was thinking that. Now, it sounds logical now after yeah. you've seen someone execute it, but nobody else was actually thinking that ahead of time. Uh, and if you were, you're probably lying. So um <laughs> how much will it get changed i don't know as someone said probably next year would be a mandatory drop zone all ob goes to the drop zone yeah that's what i'm saying yeah Yeah, mando because right in the rules it says if you 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 can either go to the drop zone or where you were last in bounds which is pretty unique for an island green most of the time island almost uh inevitably indicates that you will have to go to a drop zone that's you know varies in terms of its punishment here, if you cross somewhere, you could pick a spot. Um, I, I guess we'll see. Um, whether it gets changed or not, mm, I, I don't know if I can get fully on board with everyone's like, oh, it was, it was a dumb rule in the first place. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The, I don't dumb. know why they made the rule that way. 
but maybe there was a good reason that we didn't think of. Well, I, I know that part of the logic was in terms of, of, of making it an option was so that if somebody did go for the Island and, and, and had a really it. good shot that just barely snuck out the back, they were in a sense rewarded yeah. with a relatively short, easy par pot. That was the logic. And I know that because I spoke with Nate Heinold briefly after the event. That was his logic. And that makes is sense. that they're okay with that. If somebody's, you're, it, somebody's it going for it. Gives them an incentive to go, go for it. Yeah. Um, and that's every, everyone saying Heinold wasn't pleased. Heinold wasn't happy at this thing. I just, I, I don't necessarily buy that. I think that he just. I think he was more so confused. He didn't expect it like the rest of us. Yes, he didn't expect it, but he was more so confused and uncertain as to the spotting and yeah. the spot of it. And it, and to be fair, that's very difficult because let's just play pretend and say this is the fifth card. There's no gallery or little no, no gallery. There's no drone shot, but it's the fifth card. And you have five, four, four good players, of course. But one player that has the arm to make sure he can get up and over, they throw the shot. One of them throws the shot. Think about the, I'll say argument, the argument that can then ensue after that. There was a spotter there, though, correct? There was. But I'm just saying, just think in general how much more sideways I feel like that scenario could go if it's not the final card with all these people on it. I just... I don't know that that that's my take on it is that I feel like clearly other people could have tried it. And if they wanted to, it, it just looked different. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess we'll find out. We'll see if any rules get changed. Obviously hole 16, just in general prior to even Simon getting there, there was a legitimate question re- throughout the entire weekend as to whether or not people liked the OB in the first place and whether or not the Island was too punishing and whether or not it was appropriate for the, the women specifically who really struggled with yeah. the hole. I mean, the men played from that tee and really struggled with it as did the women. And there, there is absolutely a legitimate conversation about all of that, that needs to be had. And I know Ray says that Brian had said, I think he's even said on the podcast or on the broadcast that Nate was questioning the spot at the back of the T. I know a lot of people are giving Nate a hard time for that particular thing, but we don't know the context. We don't know the the, the comment. We don't know anything. He could have just flat out said, yeah, I, I don't know if he cleared. I don't know if he cleared. Like he, he might not have been anything malicious about it. Yeah, I think it was a matter of um, not being certain as to where yeah. the spot was going to be. And and yeah, as a tournament I, director, and let me be clear, <laughs> uh, Heinold has no ill will toward Simon. No, I don't know. I don't know who in the world would, but <laughs> Heinold specifically. I do does tonight because he yeah, didn't show up. Exactly. <laughs> no, but he has no ill war. He he of course wants to see the event played out in the fairest, most correct mm-hmm. way. And I think throwing that shot brought a lot more questions up in terms of the Certainly. placement and then in terms of how it, it, it ultimately gets handled. I That would be my take. That would be my guess as to how he feels about it uh, from that perspective. But it's not like he's like, Oh, Simon, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're such a little, you little trickster. Stop doing that. You're, you know, you're embarrassing me. 
it's not. And I'll say this isn't the first time we've seen Simon go a very odd route on a hole that other people really aren't thinking about. I recall Jonesboro. Jonesboro. Full 10, yeah, 11. Where, where he 11. took where he took the uh, the back the back way. Yep. Um he's thrown over trees in general that uh people don't expect. The person that's doing that a lot now seems to be Kevin Jones with his grenade shots. He seems to sure. be rather than trying to shoot gaps, he's just throwing over things. So uh, anyway, ultimately congratulations Simon, a, a great round. Everyone loved to see him win. Let's quickly talk about Kelvin and his Eagles. So Kelvin on hole six throws in from like two sixty seven, two sixty seven. Yeah, forehand hole six. Great shot. Yeah, three birdies, and then he throws in again <laughs> on hole ten. On hole ten from what uh, two ninety seven, two ninety seven, or two ninety seven, something like that. Click a button. I could, probably could, but that's too much work. I know. Uh, 278. It was 297 okay. on the first one, 278 on the second okay. one. Hmm. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. I've heard about people getting two aces in a round. Mm-hmm. You you hear about back-to-back aces from players. Like, oh, he got up, I got up. You know, two, two aces in a round is probably... It's... I don't know. Is it more common than two eagles in a round? I mean, in theory, they're probably an eagle in the first, you know, technically. Correct. Sort of. I mean, let's let's yeah, well, just face it. Both of those shots, if they were from a tee they're into the pin, you would be like, oh, that's a pretty sweet ace. Like both of those shots yeah. were impressive in that sense. And I, you know, I know you guys, uh, so many people hate field ace and that's fine. I get it. But I'm just saying if, if there was a tee pad and you're like, hey, this what? is a par three hole from this spot where he threw mm-hmm. on both of those. Like, oh, those are solid. Yeah. But we do actually have a lot of opportunities for Eagles in the, in our sport with the MPO Correct. because these guys crush and they can get in just, but it wasn't so much that he got two Eagles. It was how he got two Eagles with the throw-ins that he had. Cause yeah, cause we've seen tap in Eagles. Sure. You know, on, you know, uh, we've, we, you know, these players can throw, huge distances yeah yeah like hole three where you can easily have a tap mm-hmm. in eagle it's 9 yep. 15 downhill somebody bites off you know two-thirds of that as a, a pitch right literally underneath the pin taps in for an eagle yeah but <laughs> yeah these were these were pretty cool that's for sure so uh congratulations i just saw it this morning i believe that uh it was said that he had made sports center i didn't go out i didn't i don't it shows you like ESPN. how old i'm getting in that like that would be the only news i'd care about and <laughs> promoting it and talking about it it's just become so much more commonplace it is and as everyone always says this is the time of year to get on sports center for golf uh, because you don't have nba it's nfl preseason you've got the doldrums of baseball right now before after the all-star game before playoffs, before playoffs yeah it just there's not a lot of sports that are going on that people really care about so if we're going to get on espn it's going to be around this time of year usually to make those top 10s and he he did it so congratulations yeah and whether or not you put any value in that i totally understand it's it it has lost a little of its luster to me since it's been so common and since mm-hmm. it, it is no longer like this pinnacle of all sports broadcasting that we used to think that it was. However, with all of that still being said, 
there's not one person in the world that would be upset or mad or disappointed if they made it for any given reason. So that is not to take any shine off what he's done. Uh, pretty cool for Calvin to see. I mean, just think, even if you don't think it's that big of a deal anymore, your parents do, your cousins do, might, yeah. all of your closest friends do. Nobody, nobody in his closest circles are like, eh, who cares? Like, no one's saying that. It's it's awesome. I bet you Zach Melton would say that. <laughs> <laughs> Zach's not in his closest circle. <laughs> <laughs> should I be should I be disappointed? I got um, no hate for when I when I ripped out a, a zinger on Zach Melton this weekend. I got no hate, no other post, no fault. Maybe everybody just agreed with it. Or maybe people don't know who he is. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> during the FPO, Was that Kelvin's caddy? <laughs> during uh one of the FPO rounds, it was either round must have been three. I think it was round three. There was a backup on 13, a brief one, and Maybe it's round four. Either way, three. Ella Hansen shows her water bottle, which has a Zach Melton sticker on it. Channel was her was caddying for her, and uh, we were just waiting around a backup. And then she shows the water bottle, which has a, a very distinct Zach Melton sticker. I said, oh, that's the only way Zach Melton's getting on lead card these days. <laughs> he was there with the FBO. Yeah. And I said, I love Zach, which I do. Uh, that's not what I heard. <laughs> And I just figured somebody would tell somebody and uh, I would get some hate mail. Like, how dare you disrespect him that way? It's in good fun. Uh, of course. Anyway, Zach Melton. That was the one time you his parents it. were watching. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, his parents. Well, no, his parents out. aren't watching for him. They're watching for someone else. <laughs> like, we really like this Ella in this home. <laughs> we don't get to see you much, Zachy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Zachy, where are you? <laughs> Oh gosh. Anyway, so uh <laughs> yeah, pretty so wild. That's your Great Lakes Open, a DGPT playoff playoffs unified uh elite series plus, plus event. Four round event. Well I, I excuse me, click on uh four click. round without a cut, by the way. Oh, Stupid. Let's have a cut. Uh, I I incorrectly and uh dustin maybe because uh, who, it's a playoff they don't have a cut but dustin giuliano who is the disco pro tour graphics guy celebrating his birthday today so let's start there with happy birthday happy birthday dustin. um i had said on air i said yeah it's a four round event you know there'll be a cut after three rounds and he was on the chat day one he's like nope no cut i was like oh i just assumed there was so i was 100 percent incorrect for making that assumption i don't know why there's not i still feel like there should be but i I mean, I think there, I think there should all, everybody be, but, has their reasons, but because maybe it's a playoff event that they're not doing that. It's the, the field is already smaller. It's only 73 people as opposed to. Mm, no, isn't it? 96. Oh, uh, well, I think I, it's 96. I scroll down to the bottom of MPO and it says oh, 73. Oh, so the next one. The next one is 180 people. I'm just kidding. I don't know no, the is. next one is either only 73. Really? That's what I thought this was 90. Oh, is it 96? No, not all. I don't know. Again, yeah. I can't keep it all straight. No, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was going from 96 down to 72 at MVP, but it must be going down to the, like the 48 or 54 at MVP. Hmm. Okay. Who knows? Either way. Uh, so what I was going to say is if I was wrong about the women's uh, payout, you would have to assume that the men's, was adjusted from what I saw. Simon Lazat. 15? 
Fifteen K. Wow. That's that buys some nice darts. Yeah. Some baby food. Maybe. A diaper or two. Now you can afford to take me to the casino from for my half birthday. <laughs> huh. Nonetheless, uh fifteen thousand for first. Eagle McMahon ten grand. Chris Dickerson for six grand, along with Cole Radolin, Calvin Heimberg, Ty and Kevin Jones, each getting thirty two hundred. So those are some of the math. That's that's incredible. Hundred thousand dollar purse on the button. Hundred thousand dollars. That makes sense that for a used name, to be like title. a big number. Yeah, I mean it's still a big number. It is. Yeah, like, but I mean that because there's be only like, four or five events that are more than that probably throughout the year: Worlds, USDGC, Champions Cup, Ledgestone, and the Tour Championship. The Tour which Championship, standard stroke play, but yeah. So. Very impressive. Ray says the DGBT playoffs still seem a little off. Garrett Gerthy was at the cutoff to make the DGBT finals. He skipped Eaglo and didn't move back in his ranking spot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's math. I, I was just going to say I that's know. math. I don't know math, man. And Ryan Pilcher says that in the original press release about the event way back in the spring, it said there would be a cut. So at some point, I was right. Changed. I love you, Ryan. <laughs> wait, Ryan, wait, wait to find Terry out. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm. Congratulations. Yeah, playoffs is kind of weird, but I, I I personally think they should just get rid of the desi- the playoff designation and just make them Elite Series Plus. I don't think there's a reason to have a playoff other than you're, again, cutting your field, field back. Field back, but I don't necessarily think that's a playoff. That's more but, of... But whatever. I don't really care either way what you call them. It's it just uh, playoffs, and we've d- t- discussed this in previous years when pl- or previous year when playoff, the term came about. It feels like a weird word. For it, us within disc golf, yeah, uh, because it's 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 a new term to disc golf. Obviously, not new to sports, but just new to our sport. So I heard our sport made that up. And then you have you know a, a silver event this weekend. Is there in Rochester? Know. Yeah, I think it's still going on. And then know. you have a silver event going on the week after Worlds at PEI Prince Edward Island up in Canada. The Discmania Open. The Discmania Open and. Uh, but they're in mixed among the playoffs. So here's my take. If you're confused or it doesn't fully make sense to you, I hear you. That's what I would say. I understand. You're seen. Yeah. Yeah. This weekend's Jim Palmieri's 50th AFDO presented by dynamic discs. Ah, I mean, right now there's 87 MPO players. In, registered registered showing on in the last PGA. week i believe 30 players have dropped okay um i believe that was the last count or 27 something along those lines right now your highest rated player in the world manabu is is playing but manabu just finished 10th from the bottom at Deglo. and that could just be him getting into town not necessarily being acclimated to the time zones when we saw the same thing with kristen Tatar the first time she came over you know, it's been a while since Manabu has been over. He's he is well. It says he's a ten fifty six rated player, the highest in the world. He is. I think it's a little. Uh, there, there's a little bit of numbers action going on there. He is a top player in the world, but I wouldn't maybe call, not quite that. Top. I wouldn't necessarily call him the top player in the world. Well, and you got to think his rating is going to take a significant. Plummet. If if he continues to play here for a few events between the worlds and here. I think his rating will mellow out. Maybe at sure. one point this weekend, 
my Nate Sexton and I looked at Manabu's. We drilled down a little bit. Mm-hmm. He had three consecutive rounds at an event, all three rounds in one event that were all, I think, 1087. I'm like, which is just unique that you see, first of all, the same score mm-hmm. <laughs> applied to the same three rounds. And again, Johnny nor I are nor I are math whizzes or experts, and we don't have the secret code for all the rating system. And I've always said it's the best thing that we've currently got. If you think it sucks or you hate it and you disregard it and it's not worth it, then I invite you to go create your own. I think it's the best thing that we've got right now until somebody somehow magically makes See my better. website, Disc Golf Player Ranking Rankings Better Than Ratings. Dot com. Yep. Slash rating. By all means. Uh, does this maybe expose a weird scenario or I don't even know if anomaly is the right word. I mean, it's all still math. Um, but I think this is kind of bringing to light that things can get a little wonky and that Manabu on top of it, probably just truly not playing his best golf either, but he shot 10, 20, 984 and 974 and 990 throughout the weekend, putting him closer probably to about a 990 ish or so rating mm-hmm. overall. Yeah. If I, I mean, again, this is just guessing Manabu to me feels like a 10, 25 rated player. Just a little bit that I've seen a little bit of, that you can kind of guess based on where he's finishing. I think like you said, you'll see some of that level out. All right. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row. Dreaming of something better. Well, hello fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Johnny. Is, is, uh... <laughs> All right. Excuse me. Sorry about that little sneeze uh, yes. bit there. We're going to talk about the European Disc Golf Championship 2023, powered by Prodigy Disc. This is over in Tallinn, Estonia. Over on the MPO side, Dennis Augustison wins by 10 strokes over Jesse Niemannen, Juna Heinenen, uh, Tomas Heitenen, and Lori Latinen. That's a lot of ends. Niemannen, Heinenen, Heitenen, and Albert Tom. Yeah, but he doesn't have an in. He should be called no, Tominen. He did tie for fifth. Should be called Tominen. Uh and Albert Tom. So, uh, congratulations, Dennis, who is not necessarily one of the better known players. I know to us in the to, states. To us in the states, he hasn't been the guy that's on tour because we, we've seen Yessi, we've seen uh, Mori Vielman, Vino. Those are the Laurie yeah, Lettinen, yep, yeah. Uh, Linus Carlson, Yaku. We, we, we've seen a lot of those players. You haven't necessarily heard of Dennis. So 
<laughs> I'm sure it's not Dennis. It's probably like den- den- deny or so- <laughs> it's probably something way fancier sounding. I'm just going to call him Denny. Way to go, Denny. Yeah, so congratulations, Denny. That's what Sexton kept calling him before I announced his name. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him Denny. Stop doing that. Oh, his, maybe that's what he does. It, maybe he goes by Denny. I don't know. I, I, I would doubt it, but maybe. We'll, we'll that's see. What, that's what we're going to Americanize his name for him. Way, way to go, Denny. <laughs> um, that is your MPO side. Walking over to the FPO side, Kristen Tatar wins by three strokes, and she shot... Uh, a plus eight, which I believe was like an eight eighty or eight ninety rated round, um, her final round, because she had a third. I believe it was a sixteen stroke lead going into that, and yes. and and Silva made up thirteen strokes on that final round. Now there are a lot of people were asking about if it was an injury or whatnot. She had said that she woke up and she wasn't feeling well, but I don't believe this is a lingering issue. It sounds like with a little bit of rest, everything should be okay. By now, she is on her way over to, for, to here for Worlds, along with a lot of the other Europeans. But ultimately, Kristen Tatar wins. You could see that she was very emotional over this win. There are a lot of the clips I saw. I, I think the combination of not playing well that final round and just the weight of this particular event for her particularly was a lot. So... She was doing an interview and her daughter comes running up and gives her a hug. She was crying. I mean, mm-hmm. You don't see that a ton from Kristen Tatar, that that true showing of a lot of emotion. She's usually pretty level with the exception of a few of the really big events like your Worlds or your Champions Cup, things like that. Uh, like we said, Silva Sarnen takes second place. Uh, Evelina Salonen in third place. Uh, Heidi Laine in fourth place. Anna Blumrus in fifth place, sixth place. Uh, Anneli Tugas Manest. Manist. I, somebody's really good at saying that, and I heard I think them it's, say it. Uh, I think Mo is pretty good at it. Was it Mo that was saying that? All right, and that, that that's your uh, that's your top six right there. I'm I'm not going to go down any further. Come on, no, it's, it's going to crush it. me. Yep. I should uh, I should I should have stopped at five in general, but I went to no, six for some it. reason. But there yeah. is uh, there's your top there's your top five. Kristen Tatar once again coming in. Hopefully she's healthy. She's fine. She gets whatever she had whatever issues, maybe it was sickness. Maybe it was just a little, uh, just a bad day. Sometimes people are allowed to have bad days. Yeah. We're and just not used to seeing them from her. Correct. Ever. And thankfully she had built up such a large lead. The first few rounds Yeah, that she was, she was able to just kind of just play poorly to win. Yeah. I mean, she, she only, when it was all said and done, only had three pars during that uh, final round and really struggled, uh, including a stretch that I don't know if we'll ever see her, duplicate bogey double double bogey bogey yeah like just so uh, a couple quick notes to that uh just you know i'm sure you guys saw it but the 1054 is the fifth highest rated round of all time by any female competitor so congratulations to her there on a 1054 rated round uh, i don't think anybody's that all too surprised when you hear that like oh yeah Kristen shot a 1054 rated round the first three rounds then, of course, with that assist, uh, she averaged 10-17 golf. Uh, that was because be- 
before the 1054 rated round, she had a thousand and three rated round, and then she had a 995 rated round. So, well, this is just Kristen Tatar. She knew she was going to shoot a bad round, and she, <laughs> this is her trying to tank her rating yeah, so that it doesn't a, count. <laughs> yeah, well, so she, uh, and and uh, exactly to that point, for what it's worth, for any of the people doing some of the math out there, and again, we can't promise on all of it. That final round won't even count against Correct. her. I heard that will not go. Well, uh, I don't believe that it will because it's, it's, yeah, it, there's no way. I it think it's, de- I think it depends on, I, I doubt it will, but Something. I think it depends on the next couple rounds before the ratings update. If, if she shoots a couple 950 rated rounds, that could lower her rating enough where that would then bring it into the, the, the perspective. I'd bet but, it doesn't. But I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it will, but I know I've heard a lot of people being like, oh, this one won't count no matter what. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't put, no, All because my there's something there. Part of the class that it's, I, it's I, like a I standard deviation, exactly. Willfully skip standard deviations. Something to do with that and some math. Yeah. I'm sure if we holler up for don't Chuck Kennedy, oh. Chuck Kennedy, Chuck Kennedy, no, you said Chuck, it Chuck, is there any chance it counts? <laughs> or if she averages the next nine rounds, well, the question is there nine ten golf? Is there yeah. any chance it doesn't count? Yes, I I God, don't think can't. that. It's will. been a while since we've called on the Kennedy. Yes, I don't think that it will count. Is is my guess? I don't think it will because it is so far below her her average golf. It's not like she occasionally throws in a bunch of eight ninety two or eight ninety rated rounds. It says two and a half standard deviations or a hundred ratings points. Is what Ryan Pilcher is saying. Oh. Anyway, at the end of the day, I'm not I, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it either. No. Way. Congratulations to Kristen, as others pointed out as well. Yes, the president of Estonia had handed her the trophy at one point, and uh, just the pressures and the excitement, and you know how much pride that we see from all of our international competitors in every one of their countries, understandably. And then for Kristen to be the reigning world champion, to be the best player in the world, and then to have this opportunity to represent you know, Estonia, to play the championships in Estonia, like... It's just truly like a movie should have been made about it. Um, and with the fairy tale ending of her still. And, and you want to talk about some drama too, if you are making that movie, as she's like slipping into those double bogeys. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not how I would write the movie. Usually I would write that as like the first round and then she comes back to get those. But if it just feels, if you're writing a movie, that feels like a downer last, you know, last section of the movie. But. Or I would have made it so close that that last birdie would have counted. Like, would have mattered. Would sure. have mattered. I mean, just I mean, if you're going to write the story, Terry. <laughs> what is what is Glenn throwing out there? I, I see a thousand dollar bet between Terry and JVD. What about about, about rating it, it counting count. or not? Yeah, no, I I wouldn't take that bet because I don't think it's going to count. Yeah, I'm just saying so, if so. she were to shoot a bunch of bad rounds, that could maybe bring it in, but. Again, those are maths. That, that's math. Yeah, and and most importantly, as I'll I'll, I'll we're just, repeat it. We're not gonna. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And I we're mean, we're students of the Appleton education system. <laughs> app, you know, math. I don't know if I would trust it. <laughs> I don't know. I think math is political, but that's for that's for another podcast on another day. <laughs> uh, uh, oh God, I did see something stupid on that recently. All right, so congrats to them, FPO, MPO, uh, your champions. Uh, what a story. What a weekend over there. Obviously, a lot of people asking in the early goings of the weekend is, hey, why isn't Kristen here? She's won here before, so on and so forth. She's, this is why. She has discussed her, her 
calendar at length about not only wanting to be at this event, but then just making sure that she's back here by the worlds. And interestingly enough, yeah, you did not see her and silver registered for the doubles, which is something that I, I I've seen them do in the past. Maybe it just, well, yeah, now it does say they are. Never mind. Did we miss? We, we obviously missed that earlier. That, uh, well, we were just going through it before the, yeah, the show. right before the show started, we just quickly ran down the doubles list and in doing the prep work for the show, as we always. Oh do. yeah, duck because I can set somebody's name. I'm such an yeah. Idiot. You did say that. So because uh, yes, uh, is it that way on yours too, or just mine? It is that way on mine. Okay. So Silver and Kristen are currently signed up to play in the doubles. Yeah, her her thousand and eleven rating, or I'm sorry, his thousand eleven rating and her ninety nine ninety four rating. Now, are they the two closest rated players? In because I think we saw the two you and I were saying the two furthest away look to be Eagle and Ratana. So are they the two closest rated players? Um, Stat Mando, we need you because again, can't imagine, Appleton's math. I can't imagine two other teams. Obviously, you're talking about the best mm-hmm. in the world, and you're talking about Silver, who's also very good. And by my quick math, I'm not seeing two not in terms of closest. I mean like when you're looking at overall, you you see someone like Missy Gannon and Gannon Burr. Oh, the, no, they're, they're jump off in terms. If you of want to take an, av- of an average or a combined, that's one but thing. You're saying I'm talking closest. the actual closest. Yeah, there's no way in yeah. that the, the, the FPO is that close to the MPO. No, that's not even possible. You're not going to see it. I mean, you could, but no, you're not. Not closer than that. <laughs> Only 15 rating points apart. Is that what is it? What did I say? 994. So yeah, 17 no. and. uh yeah, that's incredible. All right. I think, is, that, is there anything else we need to cover? Uh, the other tournaments took place this weekend. No, those. I can't say I paid attention to literally any other tournament yeah. uh, that happened. Uh, NADGT Junior Championships. Uh, there was the Estonian Championships. I'm sorry, if you go back. The Estonian Championships uh, had a junior division where they were lighting it up. We did briefly take a look at that this weekend. Uh, if it's in there, that's the Canadian amateur ones. Uh, I mean, there was some ridiculous. Yeah, they're, they're good. Those kids are good. I don't like them because they're good and they're kids. (laughs) Well, that's fair. Yeah. I didn't like Cole Rodallon either. They're good when they're 13 and better than you will ever be. Yeah, they were, they're better at 13 than you and I will ever be. Okay. The junior European disc golf championships. Oh. oh, look at all the red on his scorecard, Mr. Winner. Oh, <laughs> that kid's probably 12. <laughs> uh, probably some uh, pretty in uh, impressive golf for sure out there. So congratulations. Oni uh, Rusison. Rusison. Yeah, yeah we've, we've seen Uni. Have we? Yeah, I, I have not personally. No, I think he I think he was the one that performed really well at uh, at uh, over at the Beast. Okay. I wasn't part of that event, so that's why I was lost. Well, you didn't uh, watch. And then, we have uh, seen him. I'd, uh, yeah, he's like 15, 16 maybe now? Letomaki. Letomaki uh, went on to win, it looks like, mm. uh, on the junior girls side. Junior yeah, the only, other, the only other event we had was like the Idaho State Championships, which was an A tier. Um, winning this one was Dallin Blanchard. He's the big local pro in that particular area. Taking second was Robert Carlson. Tied with Justin Bilodeau, tied with Ben Ditton, tied with Skylar Manti. Those are your top in the MPO and the FPO. Nice. Uh, Andrea Kamak, 
wins this one. And second place, Andrea, I'm sorry, Ashley Hall. Sorry, Ashley. Uh, Third place was Charlotte Christensen. So congratulations. Oh, got to mention it because he's there. MP40. Shasta wins that one. $1,300. Way to go, Shasta. Friend of the show. The the junior that, assuming everything's marked correctly, which I believe it to be, the junior that won, not only was rated 10-10 coming in, shot an average 10-34 for the weekend. Click on his history. I, I believe it, like I said, I believe it was the... I don't think it was the the Sula event. I think it was European Open. European Open uh, took fiftieth. Oh, so, maybe he had a bad. Uh, yeah, which yeah. is just a, a few strokes out of cash. Yeah, but I think he was doing much better and maybe shot some poor final rounds because we've we've talked we've literally talked about him. I'm fairly certain of it. Yeah, he had the second hottest round to open. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he was he was on the lead card then. Oh, okay. Well, there All you right. go. well okay. Oh, good. I am not. Going elderly. I didn't yet. think you were stupid or crazy. Yeah, you did. I did not. You, well, you did probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you, but I'm saying you probably did. <laughs> uh, all right, those are the events that have happened. We were talking about the Jim Palmieri, and it's just not going to get turnout. Uh, I made an executive decision on Skip Base today. We're pulling the event from the from the slate of events because. I think looking at this, there are still players that are going to even withdraw from this list. Right now, there's 87 MPO. I wouldn't be shocked to see five, four or five more drop from the top 40, top 30. I think it's just probably best that for skip base that we not have this one. And I still have to make a decision on the Discmania one after Worlds. How many players are going to go to that? How many players are going to withdraw from that? After Worlds, I, I don't know. They might be because they're there and going to Canada. There might be more of an, a vacation for them. Uh, I'll probably leave that one in. But this Jim Palmieri event is kind of getting the the KC wide open treatment or what used to be the Deglo treatment where it was scheduled right before the players went over to Europe. And so you'd see a lot of players miss this. I have no problem with this silver event being the weekend before Worlds. You just have to have the right as a fan. You have to have the right expectations. Yeah. You have to realize, yes, it might feel that way to the to people from Rochester that they are getting the short end of the stick with the players that are withdrawing. But you had to see it coming. Yeah. It, I, it sucks, but you have to. See I can't it say this enough. I know Tony Anzana, who's uh, an incredible human. I've known him, I think, since I think we may have met at the 97 Am Worlds. Jesus, in, you're in old. Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, I was a teen. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> So, so was he probably, um, 98 world, sorry, in Wisconsin. Um, so still bitter about that, huh? 97, 98. Yeah. Bring that one up to Jenkins. We'll see how that goes. (laughs) I, I, so clearly this is, it's just a byproduct of the schedule. And somebody had posted on my wall today saying, Hey, so I'm not going to see you this weekend. And, uh, you know, leading into it, a lot of the other top dogs aren't going to be there. No, there's a lot of players who just simply aren't going to be there. And one of, one of the reasons I just named, some of our top players, MPO and FPO, are really enjoy playing in the mixed doubles. That takes place on Saturday at Smuggler's Notch. That's one component. A second component, even if mixed doubles wasn't going on, this is just one of those few opportunities that they can really rest up before arguably going after their biggest event of their life, the biggest title of their life. I, I like you just said, I don't disagree with the fact that it's happening. 
Um, and I feel bad for anyone that is going to be disappointed by players that won't be there, but this is going to forever be a challenge when you're hosting a, an event directly mm-hmm. before a, a major specifically, or some of our larger international events, majors or otherwise this, or when you're coming right back from one, this is always going to be the issue. I don't know what the scheduling was like. We all know every, it makes sense where these, both of these events are. The one's taking place in New York, just shy of Smuggler's Notch, so to speak, uh, a few days before Smuggler's Notch, so you're you're looking at a very short drive. And then PEI, clearly we don't get any closer to Canada than when we're at Smuggler's Notch. Mm-hmm. So logistically, the events make perfect sense to be having them, but there's just a ton of players who now are afforded the, I don't want to call it a luxury, but they're afforded uh, the time and the capabilities to not have to play in those events. and. If you're putting in a bid, yeah, you, you you may only get offered a particular weekend, or there's only one that that truly works. And so I'm not suggesting people don't have them clearly, but yeah, it's it's disappointing for fans, but yet it's so completely a foreseeable and b understandable. So here's the question, and it involves worlds, and John Madalone on the board kind of brings up what I was actually thinking about. Uh, he says, why does Worlds get moved throughout the season so much? Which it hasn't recently. It's been in the fall the last few years, and it will be in the fall next year, I believe. The course is better in the fall. Baloney. The pros aren't. He says the pros aren't by there during the season. Uh, make it consistently the same time every year. So he's looking for more consistency. That's my question to you. We have seen Worlds. I mean, when we were coming up, it was almost always in July, late July or August. Yeah, usually August specifically. Pro Worlds was almost always like the first into the second weekend of August. Almost always. Almost. Do you think there is room with the way now we kind of have an established tour to have a Worlds that is earlier in the season? June. Late June. Early July. Like, is there an advantage? Because right now we're seeing the end of the season. And I understand it's weird. A lot of people think it's weird. Hey, have your biggest event middle of the season. Maybe it, it, ha- it has a letdown feeling after the event. But we're seeing players now who are struggling with injuries at the end of the season. Is that or is that part of it? Cool. Worlds is not only just the best player, but it should be the best um, conditioned player. Whereas maybe holding it in late June, because we've, we've already got uh, Champions Cup, which is in. Is that in May? Champions Cup is April. It is April. Okay, April or May. So it's been in April. I mean, having one two months later doesn't doesn't seem crazy to me. June or July, spread them out as opposed to, cool, guess what? We've got Worlds and USDGC now within a month of each other. Yeah, within roughly 30 days. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. And on top, like I said, with the established tour, moving it to where, you know, just play pretend. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make everyone mad here. Let's say Emporia, Kansas gets it. Mm. Oh, I know. Place it's never been. <laughs> Would that make sense to have it in June when the tour is coming through there? Or even even if you didn't pick, let's, you know, pick Nebraska. It's going to Nebraska, but the tour is around there in the middle of the season. Would it make more sense? I would love to get some pros opinions on when they feel worlds for them would be best because holding it in the Midwest, you know, or 
even if you had it in California, which a lot of people are are, are fighting for mm-hmm. or asking for. I don't say they're fighting for it because I haven't seen any of the bids come in California. But people are asking for a West Coast Worlds. California, Oregon, putting that in June. You know, there, 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 are, there are times I could see Worlds in June or July as opposed to having it in August. Because when we were coming up, USCGC was October. So August, you had pretty much all of August and then all of September and some of October. That felt like a good amount of time between your, your majors. 30 days for that, and then you add the Pro Tour finale on it, which feels like a major, mm-hmm. even though it's not. It just feels like we're compressing the end of the season. I would personally love to see it spread out a little bit more, but that's just, again, that's that's an ideal situation for me. I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong, because with the way the tour is, as we know, worlds can go anywhere. Worlds could be in Europe in, in two to three years. Yeah. Hope it will be. I think when you host it somewhere that's not within the time frame of the tour, the the large blowback will be well. But we were we were in that section of the of the tour, you know, two months ago. Now we got to go all the way back. I'll just make up and mm-hmm. we'll make up an example and say July or August, but it's going to be held in California. Like I said, but we were there in May. And now we got to go all the way back there for it. And that is, I feel like, the largest response that you would get. And people may love the idea of playing in California, and they're okay with whatever date, but when they have to go back and and traverse back across the country, because our tour is set up in such a, a, a fashion right now that, for the most part, logistically, it's about, about as efficient as it can get right now. So as soon as you disrupt that efficiency the number one internet voice will be complaining about how it just doesn't make sense logistically. So I'm just saying those are some of the balls that need to be juggled Mm -hmm. when we're having this argument. Now I'm not in disagreement with you about the idea of having a little more separation between the pro worlds and the USDGC pro worlds for you and I for 15 or 18 or 20 years, almost was exclusively in August, sometime in August, almost. It's funny. I'd have to go get the exact date. Yeah. It's funny because I think like, oh man, early August could be balls hot. Guess what? It's going to be 105 degrees here in Milwaukee tomorrow. Yeah. So, and we are in the late August temperatures. So I don't think it matters. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So now I will say the one time there was a major, I felt like a major disruption in the norm was from 2017 to 2018 that was when we had worlds in augusta in june late june waisaki mm-hmm. wins we were out at uh fort gordon yes we were at the fort and we were at the idgc it was late june of 2017 waisaki held one of the longest titles ever because the worlds <laughs> wasn't until the following year the latest it had ever been correct which was at smugs labor day weekend so he had it from June all the way the following year into uh, September, which is just, I think, kind of a funny side note. I, I'm going to guess, without having Stat Mando help me, that has to be the longest, because I felt like that was the earliest I'd seen Worlds in 20 years. The longest years. between Worlds. Yes, and then, yeah. the, the, and then the next year was the latest I'd ever seen Worlds from, from the 25 years I've been around. Those were what I experienced. 
Yeah, you're, and then you go back to this whole other argument that plenty of people will rightfully chime in with and say, well, why isn't worlds more cumulative? Why aren't we building up to it? Why is it in the middle of the season? I, that argument has existed for quite a few years as well. Some people feel like it should be the pinnacle, the crowning moment of our year, as opposed to uh, it happening sometimes arbitrarily in July or August or September. And it's, you know, one week out of the year that gets picked just to crown a world champ. Like, it feels like if you could pick a schedule, you would not put USGC at the end of the season. You would put that in your August. Um, I'm not that anyone wants to be in August in Georgia or South Carolina or any of those muggy places, but we've been there. We've done that. But it feels like that was what would, that's what would make the most sense. You have worlds at the end of the season at the time frame USDGC is as, right? as a culmination. But again, um, if you want players at their peak, is it the end of the season? Not you, really. No, because again, they're worn out. They've played so much. Many of them are starting to get injured or, you know, just tired. I would think that, you know, July, they should be at the, at their peak playing capacity. They've had a few months to get kind of get back in the swing of the tour. Everybody's doing their thing. And then you, play worlds if you want the best physical competition i don't know if that's what i don't know if that's what you want though i i don't i don't know i, I don't think there is a right answer yeah and and you know worlds has been hosted in the middle of the summer you have kids that have had off you have people that can take summer vacations you have so much of your volunteer it's so base. different now though and and that's what i mean things yeah. have obviously evolved i mean you know, the the likes of Jay and Des Redding used to teach for nine months and then have a summer off. And that's when they play, you know, uh, uh, most of their golf. There's people that are still doing that to some degree to this day. Clearly, they're not, uh, you know, as uh, on the on the tour as others. But even some of our youngest students, look how young our actual players are getting. When you have your Candace Burge, who's an Carter Aaron's, your um, Carter Aaron's, your Cole Radollins, your Gannon Burrs. That may you're they're out of that, school now, but but I'm just saying, but like they weren't two years ago. Two years ago. School was very much a concern. So having worlds in the summer made a lot of logistical sense for a lot of reasons. When it was Again, more of a gathering of players, correct. and you know who were who were fighting to lose to Kenny. <laughs> that was yeah. back in the day. But you're right when. Again, when you and I could just sign up and play worlds, yeah. like oh, guess what? I'm going to sign up and play the world championships, and everyone's like, what kind of what kind of Most standards of the time do, I, I mean I did get an invite every time shut up um <laughs> what kind of standards do they have if they're just letting anyone play now that's not the case you and I do not qualify we Correct. can't get in it's just not the way it works anymore and so with that comes changes that can which is again one of the reasons I think I would feel less of an issue if let's just say they kept mid-august but they did have it out in California make all the pros travel out there you're a professional athlete now. Yeah. You fly where the world's is. If they if they have the best setup, you do it. You can complain all you want about it, but you're going to be there. Yeah. Worlds was in August in in uh, Santa Cruz in 2011. There's no reason it couldn't be there again. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm just thinking about that the, pre, the logistical. It's all pre pro tour though. Like before there of was course. before there was a real tour. Now these players have a specific you know path they're following so to go outside of that and again i i would not feel much sympathy if they complained that the world championships was outside of their touring line i it would be nicer if it was in it 
around it, but if it weren't, uh, well, uh, coincidentally, I, I feel like I looked it up this weekend. Is to did they name the actual time frame for Worlds next year in Virginia? I know it's taking place there, but the question is, did the actual? I don't, uh, I don't date, know if they did. I imagine it ha- probably has to be sometime around the same time. If it's in Virginia. You're going to want it around MVP Open. You're going to want it around what's going to be Smugs. I would guess they'll either, if I had to take a random guess, uh, second to last week in August or early September or first week of September. I feel like I I narrowed it down to that, but don't don't quote me on that. I will be quoting an unofficial. I will be quoting possibly wrong quote. Then take Johnny's, but mine. But yeah, just that's just me with a. Yeah, Appleton educated guests. <laughs> I feel bad. Appleton has a really good public I was just school system. Say, but, I, I don't know. I, but <laughs> anyway, under the bus it's, too it's hard, more so. fun. Uh, anyway, it's all valid. I mean, then it continues to go back to local organizing committees. There's places and events like the USDGC, and you can lean into kind of a stock answer and just say tradition. But also, there's venue some venues and some considerations that don't have a lot of wiggle room or potentially any wiggle room. And so, excuse me, when you look at USDGC being at Winthrop now for the last 24 years, 24, yeah, 24 years, this is 25th, uh, obviously there's been a, you know, a built-in routine and or relationship with Winthrop University, being that it's obviously a university and they have other things to consider. Those are all bigger fights to have that other people can have. And you just tell me where the event is and... I need to interview and I'll show up. Uh, I will say, and I'll, my last point on this is I do agree, obviously, that we should have an international worlds. Everyone's looking forward to it. I think the time will come. And I think there, there, there is a lot of chatter out there about how Finland put in a bid. And I may or may not have said this before. Just because someone put in a bid doesn't mean the bid checked all the boxes and met or exceeded all expectations. And what's also possible, two bids can get submitted. One can be good and one could be better. Just keep all of that in mind. I I, I feel like the, the only rhetoric that we hear online is, there was a bid put in by Finland. We're not going there. F everybody involved. And it's like, it's not. It's that simple. I think there's more. That, that's what I will say to it. It's just not that simple. There's so many moving parts to it, and I'm not going to claim I know all of them by any means, no. but it's not that simple. And I just feel like every, that that is 98% of the response that comes in is, well, we're not going to Finland, and, but they put in a bid. Why the F aren't we going there? And it's there's a lot of reasons. Like, quite frankly, there's a lot of reasons. And I just, it's not as easy as people make it out to be. I do. With all that being said, I think if we have an international world outside of the continental U.S., Finland is the front runner. And I wouldn't be surprised if we are there in the next couple of years. I want to go to Siberia. I just don't think we're we're just not going to be there next year. What What does no mean to some? Just not now? That's probably one way to look at it. I bet you we will see a world's in Finland within the next five years. Put that on your calendar. Yeah. We'll see a world's there. Okay, Terry. So, all right. Enough on that 
for now. Uh, let's 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 go to a, a, another quick side note that's kind of tangent to the the Great Lakes Open. I don't know if it was on Reddit. I, I eventually saw it on Facebook, and I think it's a, it's just a valid conversation throughout. Someone made a post who essentially said they called out, they tagged the Pro Tour and maybe the PDGA, um, saying, thanks a lot, you've trashed our local courses, now Now I'm here to help pick it back up. I'm a local, and you've come to town, you've trashed it, why didn't you you know, pick up all the trash? You're leaving us with this ginormous mess. And it was a couple of pictures out at Kensington's course, at the toboggan course, what seemingly looked like the parking lot area, with garbage. Now, was that at... at you know, f- 7 p.m. on on Sunday night. Once every car had left, was that was that 2 p.m. today on Tuesday? I d- I don't know. I think we all are in agreement here that no matter who you are and attached to any entity or not, that littering and leaving a mess at any facility is never a good idea. I once saw Terry Miller pick up a piece of garbage someone threw out their window, run up to the car <laughs> and say, oh, hey, you dropped, dropped this <laughs> and you threw it back in their window. Yeah. So, um, is it, so Terry hates litters. <laughs> litters. Yeah, uh, is it unique to disc golf? Is it unique to concerts, festivals? Blah, blah, blah? No, and none of that is, is of course, dismissing it or encouraging said behavior. Uh, I'm not making excuses for anyone. And in, in fact, I, I'm staunchly opposed, obviously, to anyone that didn't dispose of garbage properly. The question that arises, though, is where is that fine line of? It's tough because when as someone, are, yeah, when someone says that I've I've saw overflowing trash cans in the park at Deglow, yeah, but I mean they're overflowing because they were full. What, what do you do? I mean, do you just hold on to your trash? Maybe that'd be a great plan. Taking your car, bring it with you. But some people aren't going to do that. They're just going to try to shove it further down in the can. And if not, set it next to the can. And if it, like, I get it. It's, I, I don't know what the responsibility of the pro tour is legal, not, not just legally, but contractually and morally for something like this. I mean, they're setting up, they're tearing down Sunday night and getting everything out, trying to head out Monday morning, probably. Is is that part of the the crew who volunteers? I don't know all those details. I, I, I and that's my whole point. Yeah, I think this brings up valid questions. Obviously, the the uh, you know discraft <laughs> grip six is uh, ledge stone pro tour. None of those you know uh, partners of the event are are excited about the idea of something not being left in a clean, you know, state, uh, state of mind or whatever, a clean, actual physical state out there. No one's encouraging that. No one's advocating for like, yeah, man, let's trash this place when we leave. We don't care. Like no one's thinking that. Where, where do. And I think Deglo is more, is a little difficult because I don't know exactly the volunteer base. I know Nate Heinold is the, TD, but is his crew mostly from Illinois? Are they all leaving Sunday night? Are they, you know, because ultimately you probably want this to be one of those things like, all right, do we have spotters for Thursday? Do we have spotters for Friday? Do we have, you know, concession for Sunday? Oh, do we have cleanup for Sunday night or Monday morning, whatever that may be? Or is that an agreement you make with the parks department? Hey, parks department, we know we're going to come in. We need you to make sure you're cleaning out the trash regularly. Is that a fall down on their side? 
again, there are so many things that could that it that, there are so many people it could fall on, and I don't know where that is for this particular event. Like you said, you saw pictures. I didn't necessarily see the pictures, yeah, and, but I can imagine. And I want to be clear. I'm not looking to like blame this person or that person or pass the buck or make excuses. No, I'm not doing any of that. I'm, I'm genuinely raising the question of just knowing that when this is all part of the, the new part of the new, uh, uh, it's the new norm. It's the new norm of when you're now bringing like, to be honest, when we used to run big tournaments, it was three people stuffed enough stuff into one garbage bag, and you mm-hmm. broke down Tournament Central, and you threw the you know the, the actual yeah. Tournament Central, not the show. You broke down Tournament Central, and you left, and that that's all cleanup that was required. Now, yes, you're talking about thousands of people coming on property that have paid ticket prices, which gives them no excuse to litter or to leave a mess, but you're just talking a whole different scenario, and I think it poses a very valid question moving forward uh, about making sure that's within the agreement for the pro tour, for the local organizing committee, for the parks yes. department. It's just an understanding of, Hey, who, cause for all we know, some local clubs are like, you know what? This is massive. We know it's going to be a huge undertaking. There's probably going to be a ton of cleanup come Monday. And, and we're accepting all that responsibility and we're good with it. You know, we're, we got a Monday cleanup crew coming out here. Some probably have made that arrangement. And then some may not have thought of that arrangement and, and uh, you know, you, so anyway, it's, it's a very legitimate conversation to be had moving forward, because like you said, it's part of a new norm and uh, just, just know that there's no one that like, of course thinks like, Hey, yeah, this is trashed. That's pretty cool. Let's, let's, let's leave town right away. That's also not being, of course, not being conveyed. Nobody's saying but it could be frustrating you. if you're a local and you're like, wait a minute, wait, I, I didn't hear of a cleanup day, but now I'm out here on Monday afternoon and there's stuff everywhere. Because you want to play your local league or whatever yeah. it is. And, and there's like, just well, trash. trash. There's I have to trash overflowing. Whoever posted it said that. Like, why, why am I here to clean up the mess as a local? Thanks a lot for leaving it messy. Again, I, I can't speak to what the arrangements are, but maybe this does shed some light on the fact that that arrangement or those considerations should be forthright and forthcoming and spelled out. Uh, and the expectations should be discussed ahead of time. That's Pro that's Tour, my PSA. Pro Tour needs to hire a trash man. A guy on there said, hey, I run a company that does this. I'd love to get involved. Yeah. So may, maybe there's yet another, uh, uh, you know, something else that could get brought to it. Uh, partnership, I think is the word I was looking yeah, There's for. a lot of partnerships. Uh, the other conversation that t- took place on the board, and you know I, I hate to entirely speculate oh speculation Uh, i i have heard a few different stories but i think the long and short of it was that and i'm sure the board because it sounds like maybe some people were physically standing there of course which i was not the luke humphrey situation yeah it sounded as if luke humphrey's here's one of the versions that i heard and i'm not i'm not putting this out there as fact but here's what i had heard from uh, at least one person maybe two uh, is that Luke Humphreys had arrived to his scheduled tea time after the scheduled tea time had elapsed. I'm just going to make up numbers and say it was he was scheduled for 12.30 and he shows up at 12.33. I'm just going to make up some rough numbers here. And however, it sounded as if that might have been right as the FPO competitors were 
closing out on 18. And with that hubbub, hoopla, excitement, jubilation, celebration, the starter uh, had more or less held the group up and said, we're, we're, we're going to wait for that to get done, and then we're going to tee off. Again, I'm hearing this second or third hand. Luke Humphreys was second to tee, so the first person had teed, then Luke had teed, the other two guys teed, and they went about their merry way. They, at some point, got down to, it was relayed that Luke had showed up late to his tee time, in which I think he admitted to doing so, but he had showed up late to what was his scheduled tee time. And again, I hope anyone can correct if I get off, off track here. Well, so he plays out the hole, and at that point, uh, whether it was a, a, a marshal or, or maybe Nate Heinold is what the board is saying, had showed up and said, hey, you were late to your tee time, you get par plus four. And then per what was just posted on our wall, it sounded as if there was a big conversation about that. The group, is my understanding, did not agree with that, nor did Luke, and essentially uh, had appealed the decision. And um, it didn't go in his favor. And then later on, there was a, a continued discussion about it. And then at some point way later after that, the penalty had fallen off. It sounds like uh, some PDGA officials were involved. Okay. Tournament staff was involved, so on and so forth. Okay, Zach is is cooperating. Is that is that the phrase? Collaborating. Cooperating. My story. Uh, this wait, wait, is correct. Wait, wait, what say that word again? Cooperating. That's like when we like when your stories match up, right? Don't don't look at me like I'm as stupid as I think I am now. Cooperating. Cooperating. Co. Cooperate. Confirm or give support to a statement. Like to Co- corroborate. Co- corroborate. Cooperate. Corroborate. Yeah, okay. Okay. I get, <laughs> okay. Wow. I was close. You Whoa. like you like mix col- uh, collaborate and corroborate. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, okay. That's, uh, that's why I don't I, I usually uh, refrain from saying said phrase. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I mean it's good to learn, Terry. We're here to learn. Corroborating. Corroborating? It's a word, yes. <laughs> Not when I mispronounce it. Anyway. Get never make fun of somebody here. for mispronouncing a word because they probably have never said it but they did read it uh, that's possible so. i don't think i've ever read it either i don't know if i've ever tried to say it i just hear it but i'm deaf in one ear so maybe this is the problem <laughs> the anyway. r's were in one ear everything else was in the other <laughs> so anyway uh so zach is so far agreeing with what i'm saying and at some point the the penalty, the par plus four, had fallen off, and I believe he was given his reg, his actual, actual score. shot score. What an interesting scenario, right? And and arguably, is this the greatest stroke of crazy good luck for good Luke? Luck timing for Luke? Because it sounds like it. Because if someone throws and and someone's not there, and it just happens to be the timing that they're closing out. Can the group say, oh, we're going to wait anyway? We're going to wait for them to, to finish up? Or the the announcer says, hey, we're going to hold up everybody while they while they finish up. And if Luke's not there, yeah, it seems like it's awfully fortunate for Luke. Yeah, and, and I don't, uh, my understanding was that he, he held up everyone. Luke was second to T. So before anyone teed, uh, he, he had made the decision. I believe the starter had made the decision to say, 
you know, hey, we're going to hold off. Which, by the way, as a quick side note, I love. And, and I know the, the basket's in a new place this year for both, well, MPO doesn't matter, for the FPO basket. The FPO basket, or all the, the only basket on 18, used to be literally like oh, 200 feet away. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you could throw a putter from that tee into the basket of 18. And I, I will say this about every event on the planet. If your final hole is anywhere near the starter or any other major distraction, please have everyone like, you know, STFU, as they'd say, like, close it down. Like, they, they shouldn't have had a, a starter be calling off any names. And I'm, I'm not picking on the starter. I'm sure. Or the, I'm just saying, in general, if your T area is close enough to where it could disrupt the final putt of the tournament. I just, I really dislike that. Um, but that's, that's a side note. They're, they're far, much farther away now, which helps, but still. So anyway, if I, if I've got that right, Zach, um, I guess the question to the world then is like, is that dumb luck? Is that yeah. the best luck ever for Luke? Does Yes. Cause Luke didn't know it was going to be delayed. Assumingly Luke didn't know it was going to be delayed. If the women were there, it's just dumb luck. He got lucky. He probably should have taken par plus four, but because they held up the entire card, it gave him a chance to arrive on time. So to arrive speak, or, or be there arrive when appropriate. I won't say on time, but I'll say arrive when appropriate. Yeah. I got no problem with that. It's good luck. Clean yeah. living as they say. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just trying to see if there was any other, uh, allegedly Luke asked Nate to show him the rule. Nate refused, just said he knew it score, pulled it up on their phone and showed it to Luke who pointed out the wording was not what Nate had said. Uh, I'm guessing. Okay. So it sounds like Nate was involved. So, uh, Nate had maybe said, Oh no, you missed your tea time. And then I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure the rules say something or something to the effect of once it's your turn to throw, you have 30 seconds to throw. Um, and the card hadn't, the card hadn't started. So it couldn't have technically been, uh, Luke's turn to throw. Mm, depends how you look at it. But I mean, if, if if the first guy teed off, Luke can't tee off in front of him. No, but the first guy teed off, and if Luke was second, if Luke was second, and they wait, and they said, hey, Luke, where are you, Luke? Luke's not here. And they wait their 30 seconds. And then you see the women come up. Like, I, like if, if, you, if it was that scenario, then, I, that's, then that's the, a different yeah, if that's argument. The, and yes, then, and and then the women come you. up and they say, oh, no, we're going to hold up. We're going to hold the group up. Um, the next person to tee is going to be the third person. Then Luke shows up and he's like, well, no, because the third person hasn't thrown yet. So I can throw. That, that, that's a whole different. That, that's, a, again, very fortunate timing, it feels like, for Luke, <laughs> that it just hit because i again i could see it going nate's way i could see it going the other way it all depends on what was said it's like calling a provisional you don't call that provisional and you take that extra you take that extra shot welcome to strokeville yeah you have to say the word provisional if no one on that t said hey luke you're up and luke isn't there or if right after the first person throws the group decides hey we're gonna wait or the person says they're gonna wait even if luke's not there that's the benefit of the doubt to luke not the rule that we always use but just in general I just, uh, yeah, that's, it's an interesting scenario that I doubt we'll ever see again. The the timing, because if Luke was in the tea time that was 10 minutes earlier and they're not waiting, no one's waiting for the FPOs to close out on 18. Yeah. You've once that 30 second, 
30 seconds el- uh, has elapsed, then you've missed your tee time and you get par plus four for the hole. But it just, it seems as if, if I understand the scenario correctly, it seems as if it was just the craziest stroke of luck timing ever for Luke to be late in a scenario where the tee time, the entire group got held up from teeing off by just a few minutes. Like good for Luke. What Avery Jenkins wouldn't give for that a few years ago at USDGC. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, Avery Jenkins was supposed to get to his tee time at the USDGC. Honestly, I, I, if I recall, just pretty much kind of lost track of time, stopped and talked to this person, talked to that person was warming up, wasn't seemingly in a hurry to get there. And next thing you know, you get up to T1 and you're already, you know, two or three minutes late. If your 30 second timing had passed, uh, you're, you're getting par plus four for that. So at any rate, that's, that's, if that's wildly egregious or outside of what happened, of course, I'd love to know. I want to make sure I do. I'm not trying to make up stories. I think I'm just kind of relaying what a few were talking about within the chat, uh, as how it went down, but it sounds like a good stroke of luck for Luke to be a little late in a scenario where the FPOT had also, uh, or even if Luke just uh, lost track of time, got caught up signing autographs, had a hard time parking. Like those are all things, unfortunately, there's not a lot of room to give Correct, and as yeah. we famously know with Sarah Holcomb in the 2015 PDGA worlds caught as when we were playing two rounds a day. Um, maybe they hadn't, but either way she was uh, on her way to the course, got yeah. in a terrible car accident and the women as Holcomb was leading worlds, the women were trying to delay the start of the overall tournament. Those weren't tea times. That was shotgun. And and the women's division, by and large, was trying to delay the start of the tournament. And I was standing right there with them at the Deer Lakes course. And they're like, no, 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 we want to wait. We want to wait. This isn't fair. We don't want to Because she was the final card to tee off. So it's like they weren't holding anyone up. They weren't doing No, no, no. They were, no, no, no. They, Correct. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. They were the final card to tee, right? No, no, no. It was shotgun. Everybody was on the course. Oh, that's they right. To delay oh, the that's right. Because it was two start. rounds shotgun. Yes. They wanted to delay the entire start. Most of the women... We're saying, no, 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 like, let's just say 115 was the time. They're like, no, 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 we, 120, 130, like, they were doing everything they could, some of the women, to delay that start. That's right. And, uh, you know, Sarah ended up showing up, what, three holes late, three or four, three or four holes late, and was penalized for those four holes she missed. It was a, It was wild. Um, that, and yeah. very unfortunate. And she went on to lose worlds by, like, a stroke a, or two. Yeah, like a couple strokes to Paige Pierce. Paige Pierce, so. Anyway, so similar but different, for obviously, for a lot of ways and a lot of reasons. And I've said this before. You look for some uniformity within the rules and consistency because nothing for nothing. If, this, if someone was in a car accident that was sitting in fourth from last during that particular scenario, as beloved as the person may or may not have been, there's not nearly as much push to delay the start for the rest of the women. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, Sarah was leading. And, I, and I, I, I'm not dismissing, and I understand the whole scenario, but I'm just saying, like, then you bring in so many, so much subjectivity to all of it, you know? And I always said, what if, what if, but what what if, if the car accident was her fault? Which it wasn't. But, but what, what if it was? But what if it's Simon Lazat? But what if it's Simon and, Lazat caught and, in traffic? In well, Waco? no, no. He, he, he drives up on an accident. There's a car on fire. He pulls somebody out. It's a pregnant woman who's giving birth now. He has to help give the birth. Dude, should we hold? We should hold up the tournament for that. I think. I mean, if, only if they give the middle name to the child, Simon. 
Well, yeah, they have to at that point. I would think so. I mean, that's what I mean is there's so much subjectivity and you mm-hmm. always think, what about extreme circumstances? How extreme do you want it to get? And and I don't want to sound cold or heartless. The show but must those go are, on. Those are some of the things that, that we uh yeah, that we think about. Worlds and our show. The show <laughs> must go on. Yes. All right. I don't think we have much more to talk about tonight, Terry, as far as disc golf. I think we're gonna get into obviously next week. Tuesday is our next show and we'll have it'll be the night before world starts. We'll our we'll, which we will already know that uh who the doubles winners are and it's very strange because this is the first time in many years worlds is starting on a wednesday well let me follow that right? up and say i don't know about that as much because i have to think back that was always awkwardly, tuesday through saturday well let me say this that's going to be the same probably same time even potentially as the players meeting so stay tuned is the long and short of that Stay tuned because the players meeting may be taking place during our podcast time. Maybe we'll delay the podcast till Wednesday night. Uh, we'll get one night of worlds in and see, and we can predict a that winner. That might be a little more logical. Who knows? But just, just stay on your toes. Because you're singing the national happen. anthem at the players part at the, at the uh, players meeting, right? I, I, in Mandarin. They haven't asked me yet, but you would think they would. You would think they would. I mean. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, You, sh- you should learn it in Mandarin. Our national anthem in Mandarin. Yes, because that wouldn't confuse anybody. Not at all. Oh, my gosh. Come on, If, if only I had skills to sing or speak Mandarin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I wouldn't be sitting next to you, you dummy. Uh, no, you probably wouldn't. <laughs> I'd be just, on to bigger and better things <laughs> if I had just, those skills. Yeah, but like I said, we're just, you know, <laughs> Appleton Public Schools, my friend. <laughs> Speaking of which, one of our friends ran into a... A high school or a junior high uh, friend of ours. I'll have to tell you about that later. Yeah, please last do. Week. Pretty funny. So, <laughs> and Appleton schools was he in jail? Her, Appleton schools got her through it. So, uh, oh, I was gonna say because we because so we have some junior high friends who are still in jail. jail. No, she's no. not in jail, as far as I know of. Uh, Tim says drop zones every night of worlds. Uh, n- probably not, but maybe. Here's what I will say: I did learn Zoe and Dyke. And Dustin Keegan will be a couple of my roommates at the Worlds. So there's some lodging there on site. Smugs, the number one family destination resort for the last You should sleep years between life. them. It's going to be a little awkward if, you, if you're on one side or the other. <laughs> hey guys, I'm the host here. and <laughs> <laughs> I'm deaf in one ear. I need to sleep right here. <laughs> so uh, Zoe and Dustin, I know, are going to be uh, one pair of roommates. And uh, apparently Sexton didn't like the idea of me being a roommate, him and his family. And the uh, new roommate changes, so Sexton's getting all big time. Because a few days oh. ago, I was also roommates with Sexton uh, and and his wife and his daughter, along with Zoe and Dustin. I got a new update yesterday that says I'm not in the same place with them. So Sexton definitely pulled rank and said, wow. I don't want to be anywhere near the disc golf guy. With your little CPAP thing, you're quiet. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a snoring issue. <laughs> So uh, I believe one of our other media crews, Owen, will be my other roommate. So I'm going to have Owen. uh, I'm hoping this is a three-bedroom condo out there at the resort. It's going to be Owen, uh, Dustin, and Zoe, and then I'll be in another room. So there you have it. (laughs) So uh, anyway, (laughs) what led me to think about that is I'll check the internet. If the internet's good, game on. I got late mornings. I'll have even later nights. Uh, we'll be on the East Coast, so that'll benefit everybody. 
Yeah, there there could be. Some, Not uh, me. I'm going to have early mornings. Yeah. Because I'm probably doing the FPO coverage at Worlds instead of the MPO that I'm used to doing because our the other gentleman who does the directing is on the far west coast and he said he would rather not wake up at like 3.30 in the morning in order to cover FPO. So instead, I'll probably start FPO at like 6 a.m. And we'll get that taken care of by probably noon. Okay. Yeah. So that that's the world's looking forward to it. And uh, the only other quick thing in the regular show, it could be after show, could be whatever, doesn't matter. Here we are, uh, Burt Kreischer out at D-Glow this weekend. My, mm. He's been a disc golf enthusiast. He talks about disc golf to a lot of other big time outlets. Where, you know, I feel like he's kind of like our unpaid ambassador uh, as a guy with some celebrity polling status. All I can say to it is just the same thing we've said about the celebrity, you know, the celebrity events that we've had. And this is kind of generally speaking, he, maybe you don't know him. Maybe he's not your cup of tea. That's okay too. I, I'll say this: I I've heard of him. I, I could pick him out of a crowd. I've never once seen anything he's done. But hey, listen, that's fine. The, the way I look at it, he seems to be popular. He seems to like disc golf. Rock on, dude. Yeah, I just I I didn't understand. I do actually because it's the internet. But just the people that want to find a way to tear down whoever gets involved and whether that's Askren, you know, because he, because he lost to Jorge Mastaval, like, or whatever people. Jeremy London, because he's in mall rats. You get so, <laughs> so worked up and just have to get so negative. And I'm not, I'm not claiming to be Bert's best friend either. Like, but yeah. move on. Anyway, try not to yuck other people's yums. There you go. All right, let's close out the regular show. I think Wrap that's, it, enough. that's a lot of randomness here for tonight, but I think I think we covered uh, a good portion of it. Just think how off track the after show is going to get. Oh, I do have some updates. I got some Frisbees. Good. Good. With that. We're going to close it out. This has been Smashbox TV podcast 468. We'll have an after show. We're going to have some giveaways. And then uh, I'll just give the one final reminder. Yeah, next week, things may or may not be a little off tilt or, or wonky. We'll keep you posted and we'll post it out on our Facebook and on my socials and whatever as to how it's going to go down. Who knows? Next week might get silly depending on uh, you know some of the people that might be around for us. But World's Week will be upon us. Best of luck to everyone competing in Rochester this weekend or Kevin Jones who's not playing but DJing and everyone else that's enjoying themselves and having a good time including Niagara Falls and all the fun things I see you guys on tour out there doing. Enjoy it. For Johnny V, I'm the Disc Golf Guy. We'll see you in the after show. Podcast 468. We'll see you then when you uh, step inside that Smashbox. There, hey. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash Smashbox TV. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.